I've been blessed to be back in Washington for the past uh, year plus. Many blessings in coming back, um, one of which, probably one of the more important ones, we're now closer to our daughter and uh, our grandkids. Now, I think, Sharon, compared to you, ours was a candlelight breakfast. But uh, we we had to be at Maple Valley by 6.30 Christmas morning. And we arrived at 6.31. Looked in the second story window of our daughter's house and there were three people, little kids, going, we're a minute late. They were ages 18 months all the way to 14 years old. And we arrived and this is what the uh, Christmas tree looked like. And, And four kids for um Sharon I hate to think what yours look like seriously <laughs> but that doesn't include the Santa gifts you can only see the little slide there but all the way around were all the Santa gifts um once the uh the bell rang for people to start this is what it looked like later on um but truly a joy um, the kids received absolutely functional gifts and presents uh, computers and Uh, iPads and other things, and a whole lot of toys. I have no idea what they even were, but they seem to really like them. You know, uh, we've spent this past Advent season talking about presents and talking about the phrase, it's not about the presence, it's about the gift. Go ahead, open it. And during this Advent season, we looked at the kind of presents and gifts that lead up to that ultimate gift, of Jesus Christ. We looked at hope and joy and peace and uh, let me see, what was the last one? Anybody remember? Hope, peace, joy, love. There we go, love. (laughs) All leading up to that ultimate gift that we have, that go ahead and open it gift of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, the package here is just kind of that reminder that, you know, there's, there's more gifts also that are available to us. When Christmas ends, that's not the last gift we receive when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we certainly remember that gift of Christ. Um, I loved what Kurt said during Christmas Eve. He said, the gift of Christ is that rich, wonderful gift that you need to re-gift and re-gift and re-gift, that we continue to share who Jesus Christ is. But that's not when our gifts end with just coming to know Christ. We are blessed through the Holy Spirit to be gifted in many, many different ways. We have the fruit of the Spirit that help us live the lives Christ has called us to live. We've also been gifted to do God's ministry in so, so many different ways. To go out and be Christ in a world that so desperately needs to have Christ re-gifted to them. To hear the good news of Christ. Now, this morning, um, I want to share with you a little video clip. Now, I talked about our grandkids. Um, one of their favorite animated movie series is Veggie Tales. Any of you know Veggie Tales? You know, they're, they're wonderful one hour videos, uh, but they all have a great Christ centered story that is totally embedded within them. And one of my favorites is Lord of the Beans. Anybody know Lord of the Beans? Yeah, Lord of the Beans. Now, it sounds a little like Lord of the Rings. Well, rest assured, it is almost Lord of the Rings. They've even taken the names and tweaked them a little bit, taken the places and tweaked them a little bit. And I want to share with you just the trailer to the movie. This is just over a minute or so. So please, if you would, Greg. 
over the mountains of much snowier, into the raspberry forest, through the blue gate, into the desolate land of woe. It's VeggieTales, Lord of the Beans. The journey will be difficult. I've been given a gift, and I want to know what it's for. That's one brave lobby. With the gift of a single bean, Toto Baggy Pants begins an epic quest as a band of strangers unites. I give you the Fellowship of the Bean. Fearless Ranger, Iricorn, Sharpshooting Elf, Legolam, and lovable dwarf, Grumpy. Could we have parked any farther away? Against impossible odds, they must fight Scary Man's minions. Minions? Sporks. Sporks? In a quest for truth and purpose. Every gift is given for a reason. We can't choose which ones we get, only what we do with them. Lord of the Beans, from... We can't choose the gift we get, only what we do with it. Now, Lord of the Beans really is a great story. I'll just summarize it very quickly for you. Um, Uncle Bill Boy received a bean as a gift, a very special bean. And Uncle Bill Boy used that bean for his own good. He made himself a taller flobbit than the other flobbits, and he had the best of clothes, and his house was decorated with the best of furniture. He did everything with the bean that benefited him. On his birthday, he even had the bean from the ground, raise up a beautiful birthday cake. But Uncle Bill Bob, Bill Boy, knew that he wasn't quite using the bean correctly, so he decided he would go on a journey to discover what the value was in life and the value of that bean. But he left the bean to Randolph to give to his nephew, Toto Baggy Pants. A little bit like Lord of the Rings. So Toto Baggy Pants is told he is now the keeper of the bean. But Toto um, is told that it is a special bean that can do unbelievable, unbelievable things, including the birthday cake from the ground. And Toto tells Randolph he doesn't want the bean. And Randolph says, it's your gift. You have no choice. You have the bean. But Randolph assures him he will develop the fellowship of the beans who are going to help him figure out what the bean is to be used for. Now, the goal of the Fellowship of the Beans was to go to the Raspberry Forest to talk to the elders of the Raspberry Forest about what they should do with the bean. So they go to the Raspberry Forest, and the elders of the Raspberry Forest are really tall trees that um, speak in a weird language that sounds like raspberries. And uh, the Raspberry Elders tell Toto and the Fellowship of the Beans that they are to go through the blue door and into a very strange land and find the land of woe. And when they find the land of woe, Toto and the Fellowship of the Beans will know exactly what they're supposed to do with the bean. So they go on that quest, they find the blue door, they open the blue door, and inside the blue door is a very, very small opening that only Toto Baggy Pants could fit through. He has to enter into this very, very strange land all by himself. No help at all from the Fellowship of the Beans. So he goes to the door, that small door, and enters this strange land. Now, the rest of the Fellowship of the Beans find out that there's a red gate that they all could go through, but there's a small problem. Scary Man has his minions, the Sporks, and the Sporks are preventing them from going through the red door, uh, but one of the Fellowship of the Beans has cookies, and he gives them to the Sporks, and the Sporks are happy with the cookies, and they allow them to go through the red door. This is an hour-long video, okay? You can tell quick I'm going through this. So they end up going into the strange land. They, too, are looking for the land of woe. Well, Toto, baggy pants, from a distance, sees this barren, desolate, dead land, the land of woe. And he sees the people are hungry 
and poor and destitute. They have nothing. He arrives in the village in the land of woe. At the same time, the rest of the fellowship of the beans arrive there along with his uncle, Billboy. And at that moment, at that moment, Toto realizes what the bean is to be used for. He takes his special gift that he had been given, this bean. He could have used it for anything that he wished to use it for, but he didn't. He really wanted to know what the purpose was. And he took this special bean and dropped it into a dry well in a village in a land of woe. And from that dry well gushed a fountain of living water. And what was the land of woe, which is very dead and barren, became a very much alive, living village. Toto gave life to the land of woe with the gift that he had been given. Now, this is a simple children's story. But isn't that really the idea of re-gifting the gift of Jesus Christ? The gift that we have opened to share with others who may not know Christ? To give them that living water of Jesus Christ. Well, how are we doing with that as Faith Covenant Church? How are we doing with it as individuals? Now, most of you know that, that uh, Mary Kay and I were very much, my wife Mary Kay and I were very much a part of this church over 20 plus years ago. Um, I was ordained here as a minister in 1993, so it was a long time ago. Uh, but it's been a blessing to come back and to, to reacquaint ourselves with Faith Covenant Church and get to meet many of you we haven't known before and reacquaint ourselves with folks that we knew a long time ago. None of us are older, though. Just make sure we know that. But one of the things that's been truly a blessing to see how God continues to use Faith Covenant Church and the people who are part of it. To re-gift that gift we have in Christ to share his love with a world that so desperately needs that living water that comes in and through Jesus Christ. Let me just give you a few examples. Our middle school youth group realized there was a need in eastern Washington, the, the least of these, the poorest, around Cleelum. Many of them had homes that just needed some help. And so our middle school youth went and painted and cleaned yards and spent a number of days just helping the least of these. They used the gifts God gave them. And they actually painted... Uh, Something at St. Francis House, the shed that we put together is practice. So they, they got a new gift of painting, many of them, and they used that gift when we went to Cleelum. That same youth group this summer is going to be going to Colorado to do the same kind of ministry, to help the least of these, using the gifts that God gave them to share the good news of Christ. Our mission team realized that there were still folks struggling greatly from the fires in north-central Washington last summer. And a team went to Tenasket and did very similar things. They used the gifts that God gave them to go help the very least of these. And I have to say, I've, I've watched Faith Covenant this past five weeks, six weeks, as we have been through a very, very busy season. Now, the church I was blessed to minister at Lake Tahoe, we only had a couple of hundred members. Uh, Christmas Eve, we might push almost what Faith Covenant had the other night, almost 500. I only knew about three people. The rest of them were tourists. But uh, the one thing I noticed at Faith Covenant, I was tired watching all you did because Faith Covenant does so much. The follow lollies, the, the Santa Parade involvement, all the kind of activities that we do, all focusing on who Christ is. And it's great. And 200 plus of you helped with that in one way or another. 
from the folks who baked cookies, the gift of baking. Now, do you have a way to get rid of the five pounds I gained? That would be the good thing. And folks who knew music and directing and putting stages together, all these gifts came together to re-gift that gift of Christ. And as a church, Faith Covenant is generous with your donations, your generous gifts to God's ministry. Over 20% of what you give to this ministry goes out to other ministries who are sharing the good love, the love of Jesus Christ and the good news of Christ. And I know there are a lot of folks within our congregation who are seeking to give generously, seeking to, to tithe and above. Truly appreciated. That's ways of showing that we're using the gifts that God's entrusted with us and to us. But the question that we see is, can we do a little better? And in our scripture lesson this morning, the Apostle Paul challenges us in that very way to think about can we do better as a church and as individuals. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from, and it's still morning, right? Yeah, this morning, we're close to afternoon, comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. It's on the screen, or will be in a moment. It's also starting on page 1763 in our Pew Bibles. I encourage you to follow along silently as I read aloud. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul and hear God's message to each and every one of us about gifts and can we do a little better and using those precious gifts that God has entrusted to us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Please join with me in prayer. Uh, Grace and loving God, we do thank you. We thank you for the privilege we have of being here in this place, giving you the glory and honor, worshiping you. Lord God, we do say, come, Holy Spirit, come. Indwell our hearts and our minds. Let your word become alive in our lives. That, Lord, we will not only hear what you are saying to us this day, Lord, but we will apply it and live it out every day in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, I just want to look from our passage at five different words. We're going to be looking at sacrifice, renew, humble, body, and gifts. Sacrifice. Paul tells us we should be living sacrifices, living sacrifices for our Lord. You know, we often think of sacrifices as something that needs to, to die. But Paul's encouraged us to be living sacrifices at absolutely every aspect of our lives. As we are living is to be given to our Lord totally, completely, 
holding absolutely nothing back. For the reality is everything that we have, everything that we are, is truly a gift from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Absolutely everything. And Paul is reminding us that we need to have our hearts set on being willing to give everything to our Lord. Now, do we do that all the time? Probably not. Reality is all of us fall a little short of God's glory, but we depend upon God's grace, God's forgiveness, and we try again. But is our goal to be that living sacrifice, to be that living sacrifice? The second thing that Paul says in our passage today, we need to be renewing our very being as opposed to looking to the world for our guidance. It talks about being transformed by the Spirit or renewing of our spirit. Now, Paul wrote this some 2,000 years ago, telling the people who first read it and heard it that you shouldn't be looking out at culture for how you live, how you think, and how you act. You should be looking to God's teachings. And Paul is saying that to us today, too. There's so many things out in the world today that want to distract us and take us away from the teachings of our Lord. And Paul's encouraging us to stay in God's word, to have our spirits renewed by his teaching and by his spirit. Third word that we're going to look at. We need to have humility. Paul talks about not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. To be realistic about who we are in the Lord. And to be realistic that it's God who has entrusted us and gifted us to be the people we are. Now, God's given us those gifts, but it's God who's given them to us. I'm always saddened when I hear an interview on TV of a Christian who's talking about others who are so far below them. As if thinking about being a Christian is this really, really big deal compared to everyone else. And clearly it's a big deal, but boy, that seems pretty haughty, doesn't it? I'm a Christian. I'm really, really good. No, I'm a Christian. And it's only because of what Christ did, not about who I am and not what I did. It's what Christ did for me. Paul's reminding us not to be haughty, not to be haughty about what God has done for us. Fourth thing, body. Paul, in this passage, and he does in other passages as well, uh, compares the church to the human body. He says, we all got human bodies, and there's all different parts of our human body, and they all have to work together, and uh, they all need each other. And if we don't have it all, we don't function quite as well as we can, uh, and no one part's more important than the other. A toe is just as important as a brain as the hand is to the foot. Now, some of us are struggling with age, and we limp a little bit more, and, you know, fortunately, God allows us to have replacement parts. I have knee surgery on Wednesday. Uh, I will appreciate what works and doesn't work even more after that, but our body needs to work together, and there's nothing more important than any other part, and what Paul says, that's the church. That is the church. We all have different gifts and different aspects of ministry that God has called us to do. All different aspects. Now, I, I'm up here. I'm sharing God's word with you. Um, i got a really long title, and I've got advanced degrees, and it's like God doesn't care. Nobody else should either, because I am no more valuable than the person who bakes the cookies or the person who cleans this church. We are all parts of God's body, all working together. There is no hierarchy. 
We are all of value to God, and we all are integral parts of that body. All of us working together. The last word, Paul talks about gifts. Um, See Peter Wagner, uh, a uh, professor who used to be at Fuller Theological Seminary, um, said at one point there were 24 to 25 different spiritual gifts noted in Scripture. 24 to 25. Paul references a handful in his list today. But the idea is there's a whole lot of different gifts that we read about in Scripture, and God will give us those gifts. Sometimes we have a gift for a lifetime. Sometimes we have it just for a moment. Sometimes we have a gift that God gives us to interact with someone. Maybe they need just a hug, a kind word, a prayer, a hello, a recognition, a thank you. Sometimes we have a longer-term gift, but God will gift us. Now, there's one gift that you just don't want to mess up on because you only get one crack at it, and that's martyrdom. So if, if you sense God suggesting martyrdom, I would suggest you pray a little longer about it and talk to other people too. But God gives us rich, wonderful gifts to be used for his kingdom. So how are we doing with those gifts? Are we really using them? The reality is God will use each and every one of us if we simply let him use us. And sometimes it's in ways we don't expect. Sometimes we know it's nothing about us. It's simply because of who God is in our lives. I want to share with you a very real story that happened a little over 10 years ago. Uh, There were four couples, my wife Mary Kay and I, and, and three other couples. One of the other couples was Bert and Chris Ellison. We traveled to Italy And uh, we all started out in Milan and Como and uh, ended up in Vienna. And then all four couples spent a week together in Tuscany. Just a wonderful time in Tuscany. And then everybody kind of split apart. Bert and Chris and Mary Kay and I um, went to Rome. Now, the Ellisons had been to Rome before. We had never been there, and we knew this was going to be our once-in-a-lifetime trip. Um, I put together my must-see list. Okay, it was about that long. Um, we had three nights and two full days. It was a Saturday and a Sunday. And uh, that didn't give us a lot of time to see everything we wanted to see. But I really wanted to see the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Oh, to see that hand of God reaching down to human. I wanted to see that. And so because of that, we negotiated with Ellison's and we stayed two blocks from the Vatican. That was, just, that was the highlight of what I really wanted to see. So we got up Saturday morning and went right to the Vatican. It was closed. How do you close a whole Vatican? It's a whole country. They had barricades up. There was some special event that day, and it was closed. Totally. And that was the only day that we'd be able to see the Sistine Chapel because it was closed on Sundays. And so that was it. Special event, no Sistine Chapel. So we ended up doing ancient Rome. Got to see the Mamertine prison where Paul was supposedly that exact spot, imprisoned at one time when he was in Rome, saw the Colosseum, saw a whole lot of things on that must-see list. We came back later later that afternoon and quickly realized why the Vatican was closed. Um, Pope Benedict was blessing the children. There were probably like half a million people in the Vatican, and literally we walked right up to a barricade, and within just a few minutes, Pope Benedict was from here to that chair from us. Now, four at that point, all Presbyterians, but four Protestants. And uh, we were just that close to Pope Benny. You know, we got to be really good friends. We were that Pope Benedict. We were that close. Now, I have to say, I I, I had to take a picture. 
and send it to our Catholic friends and go, neener, neener, neener. (laughs) And one of the other couples in Italy were Catholics, and it was just great to go, you should have come with us. That's your pope. But that's really an aside, because that doesn't have anything to do with the story, except it was Italy. So the next morning, we got up, and we went to the Vatican, and we went through St. Peter's. We got to see the beautiful artwork, went down below and saw some of the tombs of the previous popes, came back up, and actually got to watch a number of baptisms. Absolutely wonderful. Then we timed it perfectly that we could listen to Pope Benedict share at noon from the apartment balcony. And it wasn't a long sermon, And I have to admit, I don't remember a thing he said because it was all in Italian. But it was a great sermon. We left there and then saw more of the sights on our list. Here we go. This is the story. We came back about 4 o'clock, came into our hotel. And uh, on the the Saturday morning and Sunday morning, um, we all had breakfast with this really adorable older couple, Pat and Margaret Morris. They were from Boston. Uh, They were Catholics. They had an Irish background. Just this wonderful, wonderful couple. They had some meetings with folks at the Vatican. We think maybe they might have been able to have an audience with Pope Benedict. We're not sure. But we got to know them. And it seems that Pat was really upset. He was at the front desk, and he was distraught. He walked right past us, didn't say hello. Um, We asked the clerk what was wrong, and it seems that Pat couldn't find his wife, Margaret and hadn't seen her since the finishing of the Pope's sermon at noon. The police had been called, and everyone was looking for Margaret. Everyone was looking for Margaret. And without really saying anything, um, rather than going to our rooms, we were going to freshen up to go out and see more things. Uh, The Ellisons and us went in the street and uh, said, well, maybe we should go try to help. Now, there's tens of thousands of people in the Vatican, tens of thousands, and we foolishly think maybe we can help. Dumb. But we thought we could. So we prayed. We strategized. Ellison's went up to St. Peter's, and they're going to work back down towards the Tiber River. We went to the Tiber River. We're going to walk back up, zigzagging, going everywhere we could in shops, and, and just trying to find Margaret. Now, there was one really good thing. Margaret, from the moment we first saw her Saturday morning until later on, wore a pink raincoat, a pale pink raincoat. And we asked the clerk if she would still have it on, and the clerk said, well, from everything she knows, she still had that pink raincoat on. And that's the pink and the pink. We zigzagged back and forth. Mary Kay and I did no avail. 45 minutes into it, we get a phone call from Bert and Chris. They found Margaret. Tens of thousands of people in the Vatican. Margaret in her pink raincoat sitting on a bench in the Vatican. Bert and Chris convinced Margaret that they knew her husband, they knew where she was staying, and they would reunite her with her husband. It seems that her husband had told her to wait there, that he would be right back. It seems that Margaret was where she was supposed to be. Pat had no idea where he left her. But Bert and Chris were able to make that reunion with this wonderful couple, Pat and Margaret. We missed it. We heard about it. But from our standpoint, that never should have happened. Tens of thousands of people in the Vatican. 
We might have prayed, we might have strategized, used some of the gifts we had. But the reality was it was God who did that. That would not have been humanly possible. Not humanly possible. The only thing that we did is we were willing. Willing. And because we were willing, God used us in that moment. And that really is the thing about God's gifts. If we are willing to be used of God, He will use us. Amen. Christmas Eve services, we had nearly 500 people join us in our three services. And if you were with us, I pray you were blessed. And if you weren't, please join us next year. Absolutely wonderful. A little difference between the last service and the first two, and all of them were truly blessed. 500 people participated, were with us, many of whom may not have ever heard about who Jesus Christ was, how much Christ loved them, what Christ wanted for them and from them. It's because of your gifts, your time, your talents, that people were able to hear that during our Christmas Eve services. Will the ushers please come forward to receive our gifts and our offerings?